Well, as I said, it is uh, the Sunday nearest our anniversary. It's a good chance to not just look back, but look on and look forward. We talked there about a number of changes since 1968, and we, we noted that in terms of the church, in terms of the religion in the world, there's churches having a bit of a hard time. The pie chart showed a very serious reduction already, and we are now to have a 40% reduction in charges so that there will only be 600 minister posts, not the 1,100 charges there are just now or the 1,900 that there were in 68. And the general trustees have said that one-third of all of our buildings are, are to go. Now, it's not that everything's bad. It's not that nothing good is, is happening. There is good things happening. There always has been people coming to faith in Christ, people growing in faith, people being helped in key and important times in life, the church serving in, in the world. Nor is it the case that there's absolutely no instances of any growth anywhere. There are some. In Scotland, we would have to say, yes, there's more in other denominations than ours. And throughout the rest of the world, there is significant more in different parts of the world. Yet overall, across the nation and across different denominations, the overall picture is one of decrease and, and one of decline. So there's the next question. Is the problem, if it is a problem that we seem to be fizzling out, is the problem to do with the church? Or is the problem just because of the times that we live in? What about the times that we live in? We already mentioned some of the changes, and overall, between the late 60s and now, there's been a series of shifts, really, in the place that the church has in society. The church has gone from being at the center of things to the margins. Not just Lake Hall, which I remember, but you'll remember, too, uh, uh, for one week in May, there used to be the news, and, and then, then the, report, the reporting Scotland, or whatever it was called then, the Scottish news. And then there was a half-hour program every night on the General Assembly. We were at the centre of things. The nearest thing Scotland had to a parliament, we were told. And now we've moved much more to the margins. And, and you can see that even just by having a look around Disco Bride. When the communities were being built in the 1950s and 60s and into the 70s, provision was made for places like this. There's church buildings in the Murray and Westwood and Calderwood and St. Leonard's and so on. Seen any in Stuartfield? Seen any in Lindseyfield? Times have changed. We were at the centre. How could you possibly build a, a community without putting a church there? And a church of Scotland there. So, there's the land. And that stopped. We've moved from the centre to much more to the margins. We've moved from being a majority to being a minority. When I was at school, a good number of uh, my classmates, for example, went to church as well on a Sunday. By the time my daughters were in school, they would sometimes be the only person in the whole class that went to it's much more of an unusual thing. We've moved from being at home with things to being outsiders. And by that I mean there, there was a sense, and I think 
50 more years ago that the, the, the Christian fabric was still basically there. It was being undermined, but it was still there to a large extent. The values were consistent. We wouldn't have conceived then of street preachers being arrested or bakers being taken to court or because they wouldn't put something on, a, on a top of a cake and, and so on. We wouldn't can imagine that a, an employee in British Airways would be told to take that cross off their lapel or get the sack. The values have, have changed. We've gone from place of privilege to being one amongst many. When there was key events, when there was even just things like ordinary council meetings and so on, they were always begun with prayers and they would go to the church, mostly Church of Scotland, but certainly go to the Christian denominations to open in prayer. Then it's become a time of reflection in the Scottish Parliament. Um, the religious take their place alongside the, the, or take their turn rather, alongside the non-religious, the humanists, and, and other groups get to. Now, I'm not always saying whether these things are necessarily good or bad. I'm just saying that it's hugely different. We've gone from a position of being in control to having to earn the right. The church used to have influence and be listened to and could expect to be listened to. But now that we have to convince others that we've got something that might be worth being said, have to earn the right to be heard amongst the cacophony of different values that are going on around us. And then lastly, and this one not so much the change that's come, but a change that should be coming more and more, from the church being an institution to being a movement, because where the church is growing in the world, where the church is making an impact in time, it's not so much because of the institution itself. People used to find their ways to churches. They wanted to get married in a church. They wanted to have funerals conducted. Um, that's another instance of decline. Quite often now when I go to the crematorium at South Lanarkshire, I <clears throat> have a look at the funerals, there's maybe ten funerals, and maybe three of the ten or four of the ten conducted by clergy. The others not. It's, it's, it's huge change. And the institutional things is, is bust. Is it going to come back? No, it's not going to come back. And people, people have um, changed a whole lot in terms of attitude to institutions, marriage and, and so on. Marriage is a wonderful institution, but who wants to live as an institution, as Groucho said. But living faith, following Jesus, the emphasis on discipleship, that movement is more what is the issue for church today. Now, it doesn't help if we ignore these. It doesn't help at all. Nor does it help if we continue to be absorbed by our own internal, as it were, issues and matters. A colleague posted this week getting a hard time from um, one of the elders in our congregation because they weren't saying debts and debtors in the Lord's Prayer. Now, one, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. Two, the New Testament was written in Greek. Three, that Greek New Testament has been translated into English. 
The guy doesn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> we don't know exactly what the word is. But the, just the fact that that's what's preoccupying people rather than saying, how do we do mission, is, is sadly depressing. Really depressing. That's what we're getting hung up on. You know, we're getting smaller and smaller, less and less relevant, going being a, a big, a more and more of a minority, and, and getting hung up on stuff, stuff like that. It's crazy. So these are the times are just very, very different. And in the times, what kind of church? Well, it's important to say that the church is not to change for the sake of it. Nor is the church to adopt change just in order to appear more attractive to non-Christians. The church that marries itself to the culture of today is going to be a widow tomorrow. No, our first loyalty is faithfulness to Jesus himself. And hence the reading I chose today from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, it begins by saying you're God's holy people. Now, holy is not a moral achievement. It's not something that you've done. You know, it's not as if Paul's got a tick list here and you've managed to achieve holiness because um, you've stopped going to strip clubs, um, you're not addicted to gambling anymore, um, you're giving more money to charity, uh, you're helping wee grannies cross the street, you know, therefore you're holy, well done, fantastic. That's not what holiness is. Holiness, in fact, is not anything that we do, but what God does. It's to say that when God has given us a Savior, and when we are in Christ, we are God's holy people. We are set apart for God, for His service. That's what holy means. It means being set apart. It doesn't mean a moral perfection. It means that that's our identity. We are now in Christ, not just to please ourselves. The church exists because of the action and work of God in the world, not because we've decided to sign up for all these tickless things. And it's continued, to, for the church to continue, we need God too. He, God who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion, verse 6 of our reading. We need God to still be at work. And we need that because God has a plan and a purpose. There will be a completion. It suggests an end goal. Being in church or being part of church is not to see simply where we end up. The picture is, is of a goal to reach. And the picture here given is not something, therefore, inactive that we sit back and, and let happen, but something that we grow, we have to abound more and more, it says in verse 9. So then that's the nature of the church. We depend on God. But equally, he calls us to active service, to participation in his work. And so if I were to read on into the next chapter, Philippians 2, we have these words, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Continue to work out something you do, or we do, for it is God who works in you. And the gospel is not that there's, it's all up to us or we sit back and it's all up to God. The gospel is that it's God working in and through his people. The people who are holy have been set apart, who God is, is working into with a purpose and an end goal in sight. And the people who are to be abounding more and more, people to be growing. That's the nature of church. So we do have an active part to play. 
we believe in the sufficiency of God. We believe that the gospel can and does overcome. But that gospel is to do its work in and through us. Now, that is not the same thing as saying that any particular church or any particular denomination is guaranteed survival. It's not. The church used to be massively strong in North Africa just not very long after the time of Jesus. Changed. Denominations have come and gone in the past. We, we cannot assume just because God is sufficient and because God is at work, therefore churches we know it or churches we wanted or churches we've liked it or churches we have experienced it is therefore bound to survive. I think Christianity may well have a good future in Scotland, but that doesn't mean the Church of Scotland necessarily will. Church growth will not be necessarily the same as more people liking and doing church in the way that we've always done it or supposed that it ought to be done. We've not long finished um, a series on church membership, trying to spell out what we mean by living the Lord's way and loving the Lord's people and sharing the Lord's message. That's the calling of the church. And our principle there was that we can only expect and insist on what we can establish from Scripture. That is, we can only be followers of Jesus, for it's his church. So changing times, an unchanging message, Christ is Lord, Christ died and has risen again for us. God is working his purposes out. There's going to be a new creation at the end of time, a new heavens, a new earth. Same message. But it then has to be done differently in different times. And if anybody's kind of against that idea, well, why don't you go back to the Middle Ages or whatever and say, because well, we've moved on from that, you know. No heating, no seats, some guy going around with a big pole who would poke you in the back if you looked as though you were dozing off. Those were the days. See what I mean? We, we, we have, we've accepted changes. We've welcomed changes. We, we wouldn't like to go back to what it was maybe like five, six, seven hundred or nine hundred or whatever years ago. It, you know, it's, it's an absolute nonsense to say it's always been this way. An absolute nonsense to say that. The church has to learn adapting in different places in different times. And we have to learn to adapt, to take on board those kind of changes we were looking at earlier, the control to, to not being in control, to being majority, to minority, and, and so on and so forth. So we need to adapt to that. We need to look to be moving forward. Now, I said something a lot about this in the last um, edition of Clarion, and um, I'm not, we were not as far on with that transition from elders' districts to ministries' groups as I had intended or hoped. Um, I did say in Clarion that it was taking me longer to do things these days, and it is. 
But what we're looking for in emphasizing that together we need to build the body of Christ and do that in, without um, <clears throat> just letting it all happen, but rather gathering together, is that we want to be a people gathering together around God's Word and to work out what it means and what we have to do about it. Why do we have to work out what it means and what we have to do about it? Because it's not easy. The issues and the challenges now are different to the issues and challenges 40, 50 years ago. It's not straightforward. Empty the things it is must be walking around with their eyes shut and their ears closed. It's very, very different. And supporting one another then becomes crucial because following Jesus means going against the tide. In a society that's gripped by a rampant consumerism that has no firm notion of right and wrong, then we're, we're, going, we're in a minority and we're going against the tide. And that's not easy. We, we need help. The help of one another to do that. And so, in calling folks to think more seriously about meeting together and, and supporting one another, it's also to provide a context where we can encourage one another to share the message of Christ. And also to provide a focus in saying, how do we serve Jesus in the community? There's a lot to tease out. There's a lot to challenge. And it cannot be done just simply by meeting in one big format. It cannot be done simply by just one hour a week. Discipleship is something we need to give ourselves much more seriously and wholeheartedly too. Why? Well, that's to go back to the earlier question. Is the problem to do with the church or is it because of the times that we live in? It's because of the times that we live in that there is, I think, not much, if any, future for the institutional church. You see the decline. You see the buildings going. You see that folks are not coming for weddings, funerals, and so on and so on. The kind of things that, that were our kind of recruiting offices before. It's not happening. But it's not the case that the gospel has become outmoded or outdated or irrelevant. The gospel that has been the gospel for 2,000 years is still changing lives, is still making its impact time and time again in many different parts of the world who are doing church differently or doing, making a difference in, in churches here when we're learning to do church differently. And so the problem is maybe not to do with the church per se, but to just putting our, all our eggs into the institutional church format basket. It's the same message, it's a different context, and therefore it has to be a different church pattern or life. And if anyone's thinking, why? What's wrong with the old pattern of church life? Well, look where it's taking us. And that's often said, I, I hear that being said by people, where they, it didn't even work in their own families. How many of us 
hoped that we started going to church, we took our kids to church, we thought they would just start keep going the way that we've kept going, and it hasn't happened. Now, I'm not saying that every instance of families not continuing in church is um, parents' fault. Uh, parents may well have worked hard, prayed hard, shared, and I know that many have and do, and it's not always um, resulted in, in children coming to faith. But let's face it, a, a lot of us just assumed it would happen or just somehow thought by some kind of, like an air freshener, you know, cast out, you know somehow, somehow it would just catch on rather than saying, this is why Christ matters, this is why Christ should be first. But the good news is that the gospel has time and again proven itself sufficient in these hard times. The scripture reading was from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians is a letter sometimes called the epistle of joy. Paul talks a lot about joy and, and, and the glory of, of God in, in, this, in this letter. Do you know where he was when he wrote it? He was in jail. And if you read back into Acts, if you look back at Acts chapter 16, you will see what happened when Paul and his, his mission team first arrived in Philippi and how they were treated. They had to leave because of the persecution. And yet years later, while he's in jail elsewhere, Paul is able to write to the church in Philippi because they're there. They didn't get an easy start. They, they had no privilege, no majority. They didn't have a central place in society. They didn't have power and influence. There wasn't a culture that was suited to Christian values. But they took seriously being God's holy people, God being at work, and they're working out their, their salvation with fear and trembling as God worked in them. It was clear that the church could only be the church by taking seriously that call to follow Jesus. So we're talking about ministry groups and we're talking, looking, and I want to encourage folks more and more to be meeting. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, it says in Acts 5, they kept meeting. Or in Acts 12, we're told Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many people had gathered and were praying. You see, they weren't going to big institutional things. They were doing it in the homes and the lives where they were. And there are many references in Paul's letters to the church and the houses of named individuals. And the key thing is not the venue as such, but they're in these smaller groups. They were ministering to one another, supporting one another, helping one another follow Jesus better. That is, we need companionship to be the pilgrim people of God. We are called that journey of faith, and we are blessed to have fellow travelers. We are given to and for each other to be channels of grace and agents of shaping one another more and more into the way of Christ. Now, changing structures is not the same thing as giving something life. That's the point of this picture, you see. It's a trellis and a vine. A trellis needs to be in the right place for the vine to grow. And the trellis needs to have the shape that we want the vine to grow into. But the trellis 
is not the vine. It's not the trellis that's got life and growth. The vine will not grow into its desired shape or structure and will not grow healthily without the proper shape and structure. But don't confuse the two. And ultimately, the gospel is not about the church itself and as an organization, as an institution. It's not about what we've been doing, church, in this particular way and having these kinds of meetings and so on. That's all trellis stuff. That doesn't mean it's useless. Trellises are important. But it's not life. The church is only alive when it's following Christ and having the life of Christ. And so living the Lord's way, loving the Lord's people, and sharing the Lord's message, as we were trying to spell that out in a recent series of membership, that's the vine, that's, that's the stuff. God's holy people. Not because we've decided to go to church or we think church is a good thing or we're um, taking off a list where we don't do this and, and start doing that. But people who have been gripped by the gospel have said, this is good news. Ultimately, it's not about me. It's about Christ who has died for me. It's Christ who has risen for me. And who are in response to that saying, what now? What next? Let us, let us pray.